Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you today. I'm Pastor Rob. Great to hang out with you. We got people join us from all over the place, including all over the world, through our online campus and then my home campus, Muskego, as well as our Waterford campus and those obviously that are in the room here with us at Waukesha. Let's just welcome everybody, all right? It's good to be together, isn't it? Absolutely. We thought, how can we start the year with something, a subject that is something that is probably on everybody's mind, but is also something that Jesus wants for every single one of us. And we came up with the topic of thrive because Jesus wants us to thrive. He makes it very clear. He wants us to live life to the full. And it's something that's built into every single human being. And so there are actually five different areas of thriving that are common to every human being. One is health, relationships, vocation, finances, and faith. Last week, we began with looking at health, and if you weren't able to be with us, I'd encourage you, Pastor Guy had a great message. You can go online and find that. Watch it. Go through the, the website. Otherwise, that app that we've talked about is a great way to do that as well. It's a great resource. So I'd encourage you right now, if you don't have the app and you have a smartphone, go to your app store and take the time right now to go ahead and download that because it has so many great pieces to it as well. But today, as you've heard, somebody already let the cat out of the bag. We're talking about relationships, something that applies to every single one of us, right? And that God actually has a lot to say about. But as with each each of these different areas, we can thrive, try doing it all by ourselves, but if you really wanna thrive, you're gonna need the help of Jesus Christ. He's gonna be the difference maker, especially in our relationships with others. And so as we look to him, and as we look at that, let me just do a quick poll to see how relevant this subject is. How many of you have relationships in your life? Okay, just as I thought, there's lots. Lots and lots, and that's a good thing, right? So when it comes to relationships, there's a whole lot that the Bible's gonna talk about. But God does us a favor, and he does this. He says there are two commands that all other commands hang on. And it's simply this, love God, that's our relationship with him, and love others, everybody else, our relationship with everyone. He says, every other thing that I have to say to you in my word is going to hang on those two things. It's all about relationship is what he's telling us. And so he has a lot of input and a lot of helps. And we're going to look at a little bit of that as we go along here. And one of the reasons for that is simply this. We need to know when our relationships are thriving or when they're not, when they're going forwards or they're going backwards. So how do you know when a relationship is thriving? One of the things we have to realize right away is they don't stand still. They're not static, they're dynamic. That's why you can't just leave for a year and come back and expect it to be exactly as you left it. That's not possible. Because of something called the law of entropy. Have you ever heard of entropy before? If you're in science, it's, it's part of the law of, of thermodynamics, I guess. And simply what it says is this, is that... When there is a spontaneous process, like relationships, they would be included in that spontaneous process. When left to itself, it is inevitable that it deteriorates over time. You know what he just said? 
If you don't put effort into your relationships, which way are they going to go? Backwards. They're going to get worse. And so we can't just leave them alone and expect them to get better. They're gonna, they're gonna fall into entropy. They're going to get really, really bad, in fact. And so we need to realize that we have to do something about it. Now, when you hear that word thriving, I wanna clear something up because you might be hearing me say perfection. A thriving relationship is not a perfect relationship. Would you say that with me? A thriving relationship is not a perfect relationship. It's not. Ask any couple who've been married for a decade or longer, or maybe 24 hours even, probably. <laughs> Have you ever had a problem? Ask best friends if they ever had a point in their friendship where one of them almost said, I'm done. You're no longer gonna be my friend anymore. Ooh, wow. That's happened a lot over the last few years, hasn't it? Child-parent relationship can fall into that as well, right? Ask any employee or boss if they've ever made a mistake, and the answer will be what every single time? Yes, yes. So why were they able to get past it? Why were they able still even, in some of those cases, to still thrive? Because we're not talking about perfection. We are talking about movement, though. And even though thriving relationships are not perfect, they leave room. And we're going to talk about three specific areas where they intentionally leave room. You might want to write these down, in fact. They leave room for differences, for growth, and for grace. So let's look at the first one. Thriving relationships leave room for differences. Do you realize differences are an integral part of every single relationship? Marriage relationship, friendship, work, neighbors, all of them. You have to have differences. But what comes along with differences are some difficulties as well. Think about the most intimate of human relationships, in fact. Anybody would say that there's any differences between husbands and wives or men and women in general? There's some obvious ones, right? You notice in every relationship, there's a different way of thinking even. There's a guy by the name of Dr. Emerson Egerich. He wrote a cool book called Love and Respect. And he brings out a scenario there and he says, you can use the exact same words and have them mean something totally different to two different individuals, especially a husband and wife. You ask a man or a man goes into his dresser drawer, he opens it up and he says, I have nothing to wear. What does he mean, guys? It's time to do laundry, right? A woman opens up the closet and she looks in and says those exact same words. I have nothing to wear. Guys, what does she mean? You better learn this one if you don't know by now. Need to go shopping, right? I need something new here, okay? Exact same words, totally different meaning. And it can be very confusing and difficult to navigate. And so we have to leave room for those differences. We have to embrace those differences as well. But what happens is this, every single relationship is going to have differences. And what that also means is this, they're going to bring up conflict, conflict. But believe it or not, just as differences are a necessity of every relationship, conflict is as well. But we need to know the difference between healthy and unhealthy conflict. You see, healthy conflict focuses on resolving, while unhealthy conflict 
focuses on and pushes the relationship to dissolve. So you have to choose which one. Are you gonna be a resolver or a dissolver? You might think, I'm not dissolving anything. Yeah, you might be, because it depends on how you deal with conflict. I notice there are two words usually that we can describe how people respond to conflict. And I want you to see which of these you would fall into, okay? We have people who avoid conflict, and we have people who embrace conflict. So how many avoiders do we have with us today? Online, come on, campuses. All right, go ahead, raise them high, proud, it's okay. You need everybody to know this, all right, or you're gonna get stepped all over, okay? All right, so here's my counsel to you. This is what you need to do. In conflict, you need to do the exact opposite of what you want. You need to step into the fray, okay? Further than your comfort level. You need to step into the conversation when you don't want to, when it feels bad, even when you've already convinced yourself before you even said anything, right? Because you've already told yourself in your head how much you hate this moment. And you need to go ahead and you need to step into it. Now let's deal with those who are embracers of conflict. How many embracers? I'm not saying you love it, but some of you do. You know it, right? Had somebody last night. It was so hilarious as we stood around afterwards and they were like, you know what? My husband wanted me to raise my hand when it said embrace conflict. I don't embrace conflict. And all our friends cracked up laughing. <laughs> I'm like, I think you need to ask somebody else besides yourself, okay? Here's my counsel to you. If you embrace conflict too much, especially... You need to back off. You need to step back. And you need to leave room for that other person to speak. In fact, what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to invite them into the conversation or they will say nothing that whole time. And you need to make the environment for them to speak. And you need to encourage them and you need to even honestly tell them, I want to hear what you have to say what you think about this topic, even knowing that there may be a rub there, there may be some conflict, even some unhealthy conflict at that point. We need to work at having healthy conflict. Conflict is a necessity. So how do we do that? Well, we need to make a commitment is what we need to do. We need to make a commitment to love and unity when we have conflict. Scripture gives us a couple great passages on this. One is Book of Romans, chapter 12, verse number 18. I love the way it starts out because he leaves room right away. He says in, in Romans 12, verse number 18, if it is possible, don't you just love that? Who, because what he's gonna ask you to do is not always possible. And then he goes on, he adds, doubles it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So he says, it's not always gonna be possible, but as much as in your control, you need to, Live at peace. You need to give room to be able to have differences and to be able to work through those and live through those. Another passage, 1 Corinthians 13, verse number five. This is a passage known as the love chapter. It's not for marriage, not just for marriage at least. It would apply to marriage, but it's for any relationship that you're in. Again, go back to, if you're a student, your school relationships, your friendships as well, your neighbors, whoever it may be. There's 15 different descriptions. We're not gonna hit all of them. We're just gonna hit verse number five here in 1 Corinthians 13, where it tells us this about love. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs, or you could put differences even in there because that's usually when we wrong another person is over our differences. Wow, so how can you do that? 
How can you love to that degree? How can we honestly get to that point where we keep no record of wrongs? Where we stop tallying up the hurts and we say, no, that's not good. That will not bring about a thriving relationship. It doesn't. An example of this just this last week. Differences, right? You ever put five people in a car and go on a road trip? You think you find out who's different from who? Oh man, even before the trip starts, right? Family vacation, just last week. Still, before we go out, I knew we're gonna have some differences. I'm preparing for the differences. And one of the differences is this. Anybody else have this in their family? There are some people in the family, myself included, that you treat time kind of like an agreement, right? Like we decided, kind of like a contract almost even, right? We said, this is the time we're going to leave. Anybody else like that? It's like, we're gonna leave, right? Because if we don't leave at this time, then we're not gonna get there at this time. And you're gonna mess everything up if you don't do it. Then I have other people in the family. In fact, we're outnumbered because I think there's only two of us that would act that way. They treat everything kind of like a suggestion, you know? <laughs> I call it like an open house. You know, just come whenever you want. And, and the party starts when you get there, right? So I have a few people in my home like that. So I warned them ahead of time. I'm not gonna be happy if we don't leave at this time. Well, five minutes after that time, I'm still doing pretty good. Saying, don't trash the whole vacation, okay? Don't, don't, come on, Rob, don't. 10 after, I'm still, no, I'm not, <laughs> holding it together. And by quarter after, I have to say something, to which I get some reasons why we're still not ready to go. And by quarter after or so, a little after that, we get on the road. And I said some things that I shouldn't have said before we got on the road. But you notice what happens if you're a Christ follower? The Holy Spirit will reveal the differences and your part in them. And when you mess up, he'll reveal to you also that you need to correct it. But I have a lot more patience I found with the Holy Spirit working in me than I do with those people who don't follow time. Because <laughs> he keeps knocking and I keep saying no. I am right here. We had a contract. Yeah, it wasn't signed, but we had a contract. And they broke it. He's like, no, you need to apologize. Took me probably 15 minutes plus. And I said, I'm sorry. I should have not said what I said. I shouldn't have. And then a little longer into the vacation, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna think this for a while, but I won't say it out loud. And then it's like, no, you need to say this out loud. Say, we're on vacation. We have nowhere to be. And then the next time when I said, we need to leave at this time, guess what I heard? Not from the Holy Spirit this time, but from one of my family members. We're on vacation. We have nowhere else to be. I'm like, who said that? God will reveal the differences and what you need to do with them and how you need to make room for them and when you mess up, how you need to resolve it. And he wants that because he wants our relationships to thrive. It's important for him. Not only do we need to leave room for growth, we also need to leave, or for differences, we also need to leave room for growth. What that's gonna take is something very difficult for most of us, at least. You ever notice, why is it so difficult for us to remember how long it took someone else to learn a new skill? 
when it took us years? Have you wondered why is it so difficult for us to not think that someone should know something already that it took us a long time to figure out? Have you ever wondered why someone is immature in their faith because they've only been a Christ follower for a year when we've been maybe for 10 years and we can't understand why they're asking the questions that they're asking? That's not fair, is it? No. We need to be patient, and we have to have a commitment to patience. You see, because thriving relationships require patience. They do, every single time. You know what happens? We forget that we once were where they are. Would you say that with me? We once were where they are. Okay, together. We once were where they are. Do you believe that? Then treat them that way and give them the patience that they need to grow. Here's the risk, and many of us don't wanna put up with this risk. That means you're leaving room for failure. You are, because they might fail. They might let you down. They might drop the ball. But think about how much your relationships would change if you left room for growth with your children. How about with your spouse? How about with that brand new person at work that you're getting to the point where you're running out of patience because you're wondering if they're gonna be able to do what they need to do? Wow, you won't thrive without it. You won't thrive without that patience. The Bible describes it this way. Paul, he wrote a great passage to, of all people, a church. You think, come on, church has got their act together, right? No, not so. Why? Because church is made up of people. Church is made up of relationships. So Colossians chapter three, what Paul did was gave us this nice verse here in verse 13. And just look at the first four words with me to start with. Bear with each other. That word bear means be patient. Be patient with each other. Because he knew that's not the natural human tendency. Be patient with each other because thriving relationships require patience. So we need to leave room for differences. We need to leave room for growth. And the last one is the most important. And I can guarantee you, if you don't do well at the first two, you're gonna need this last one even more. And that is, they leave room for grace. Grace is something that's never deserved. Never earned. The reason you need it is because somebody messed up. They wronged you, they hurt you. And I can guarantee you, if you're in a relationship, you've already learned that you will be hurt. It's not a matter of if, it's when. You're going to be hurt. And so you need to be able to make a commitment to forgiveness because thriving relationships require, I can't say that word strong enough, they require forgiveness. You're going to have to give it and you're going to have to receive it. Back in that last part of the verse we just looked at in Colossians, it didn't stop there with bear with one another. It goes on here. After it says bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So here's the question after reading that passage right there. What does it mean to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you? You notice the one, your part, is future, right? 
He says, forgive them. Or present, it needs to be soon though. Did you notice his part? He didn't use future, right? He didn't say, forgive them like I'm going to forgive you. What did he say? Forgive them as I've forgiven you. I've already done this for you. My part's done. You need to do the next part. You need to forgive like I have forgiven you. I've already done it, and so you need to carry that forward with someone else as well. Well, what does that look like? Well, here's the piece that always sticks out to me when I think about Jesus' forgiveness. It tells us over and over in the Bible that Jesus forgave you and me while you were still a sinner. And that's the major difference I find. Do you know when I want to forgive someone? After they stop it. Anybody else with me there? I'll forgive them after they quit offending me. I will forgive them after they stop hurting me, at least if we get the contract signed, right? Then I will forgive. No, 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 no. Jesus forgave while we're still sinners. He's saying you need to forgive others as well in that same state while they still sin. It doesn't mean all the consequences are gone, but the consequence of holding back forgiveness needs to be released at that point. Why? Think about it. Every sin we commit is a sin against God. And God did not wait for us to stop sinning in order to save us. Even knowing ahead of time, because he put the plan in action before we even committed our first sin. Even before he planned this out that he was going to send his son, Jesus, into this world to die on the cross. And as his blood poured out through his hands, his feet, his side, and his head, that blood was what was required in order for us to be saved, to be forgiven. That's what he did for us. If you've never been forgiven by Jesus, it is the most beautiful thing, the most precious gift you could ever receive. I'm gonna encourage you to receive it today if you never have. But you can understand why if we've not been forgiven or we don't recognize the forgiveness of Jesus, we're gonna have a really hard time forgiving others. We cannot wait until someone stops sinning in order to forgive them. Because forgiveness is a choice. And so is unforgiveness. And you have to choose which one you're going to go with. To not forgive those unforgivable. And you might be thinking, so what? What if I choose not to forgive? I wanna touch on that just for a moment here. Because there's the obvious and then there's the not so obvious. The obvious is this, is that it ruins our human relationship. Right? And some of us have gotten okay with that, and that's a problem. You see, the obvious is that it ends the marriage. And you might have gotten to a point where you're like, that's okay because I'm better off. It ends the parent child relationship because of lack of forgiveness. A lack of forgiveness will end any friendship. And again, I think we've gotten way too comfortable with just throwing away friendships. Way too much. When our culture recognizes it and calls it a cancel culture, we got a problem on our hands because God paved a way for forgiveness and we need to use it. And it needs to be our first resort and not our last.
Those are the obvious. It ends the human relationship. But here's the not so obvious. When you choose unforgiveness over forgiveness, your relationship with God is broke. It's broken. And you're believing a lie. Because if you believe that you can be okay with God and not okay with someone else, you're lying to yourself and you're not gonna thrive. In your relationship with God, you will not thrive because your relationship with God is also dependent upon as much as you are able, living at peace and loving others. It is. I realize that's a hard thing to consider, especially if you're in that place where there needs to be forgiveness offered and received. But it's important because God more than us wants us to thrive in every relationship that we have as much as depends upon us. So let me ask you, especially if you're a Christ follower, I would say, I have a relationship that needs forgiveness. You just right now say, I have one. Okay, all right, keep them raised, go ahead, go ahead. Just look around, you're not alone, right? Now let me ask you this, and this is gonna be the tougher one. Put them down, because I wanna reset here before you do this one. How many are willing to do something about it? Praise God, it's awesome. Let's thank God and let's encourage everyone who made that decision, all right? We'll pray in a moment for each one who made that choice. You may not have raised your hand, but you've made that choice possibly as well. It's not gonna be easy, so I'm gonna ask you to put a time on it. <laughs> Mr. Contract with time right here talking to you, okay? An agreement, all right, within this week. In fact, I would say by tomorrow, if I could, that you pick up the phone you send the text, you do whatever you need to do to start the conversation with that person, whatever it means. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your savior. Today's the day. You see, he loves you so much that he forgave you before you committed your first sin. And even after you've committed your first sin, he didn't say, huh, too late for you. No one is beyond his reach. And he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to forgive you. And the only requirement that he puts on you is that you believe that he died on the cross, he was buried, and that he rose from the grave. And then you're forgiven. As we pray in a moment, I'm encouraging you to reach out to him and accept that gift of salvation. If you're here and you're already a Christ follower, but God's working, the Holy Spirit's working, I'd, I'd ask you just take some time and confirm that commitment with him that you're going to forgive or receive forgiveness, whichever way, whichever side you find yourself on there. Would you pray with me? If you're here today and you'd say, I wanna receive that gift of forgiveness that Jesus died for, then pray to him right now. Pray to the Father. Maybe something like this, dear God, I know I'm a sinner and that I've sinned against you, but you offer forgiveness and you sent your son to show that I believe that Jesus came, that he died on the cross through the shedding of his blood. He paid for my sin. 
I believe that he went into the grave, but he came back out again. He rose from the dead, showing that he could have power over sin, my sin. I want to receive that forgiveness and salvation right here and right now. With heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're making that commitment today, would you just let me know that just with a wave? Put your, put your hand up. Give me, a, give me a wave there. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord God, again, we thank you. We praise you for being our God for helping us through our relationships. Pray you bring strength to those, Lord, who have made a commitment to go and and make at least an attempt, Lord, at forgiveness. I pray that you would honor that, God, and you'd show them that you're with them and strengthen them as well. We praise you, we thank you in Jesus Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.